welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 17th of January 2010, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Here's Pastor Damien Pickett. It's great seeing everybody. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, please. 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, I, I'm already at a disadvantage at this point because at this point, uh, my church expects me to be closing the service in a word of prayer, and I'm starting it here. Hey, man, what, what's up with that? I, hey, no, listen, seriously, the more you cover it, the better you look. Uh, Second Kings. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 4, please. Second Kings chapter 4. Uh, it, 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 re- it really is, is, is a, uh, an honor to be here. You know, I, I was kind of thinking, you know... Th- this service today is a lot like a football match, okay? But, uh, you know, you're seeing the reserves, and you got a player on loan, and you're going to get rid of him as fast as you can and get a different player on loan tonight, all right? So uh, uh, we won't. Go, there's no overtime tonight, all right? It'll end in a tie, or we'll, we'll see. Uh, draw, because we don't have ties here. We have draws. Second uh, Kings chapter 4, please. Verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets, unto Elisha. Now, uh, this is ju- just to help you. Elisha comes after Elijah, okay? If, 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 how many of you have ever gotten confused about that, okay? S always comes after J, Elijah, Elisha, okay? If you don't know your alphabet, you're doomed. Uh, uh, of Elisha saying, thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. This this widow, uh, her husband has died. He was uh, sons of the prophets, and uh, apparently they were in debt, and now the debtor is coming, and he's going to collect their kids. Nice guy. Verse 2, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, And thou shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. And she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Father, please, sir, um, we need your spirit. Father, indeed, this message has been prepared. But Father, uh, though I uh, may or may not wax eloquently, it'll be worthless unless your spirit is in the middle of it. Father, apply your word to our heart, for your word is truth. 
And Father, let this not be just a quaint story. But Father, may today, may we see your hand. May we see how you want to move in us. May we see how we need to be a people of faith. And Father, maybe starting today, you would do a mighty work amongst us and therefore amongst our community. Father, may it be said of the people of Bethel Free Baptist Church, like was said of the uh, apostles and the early Christians, that they turned the world upside down for the cause of Christ. Now, Father, anoint my lips, please. Father, let me rest on nothing other than your spirit. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. A widow, some ugly used vessels, and faith. Uh, there's a lot more people than were here for Sunday school, okay? Uh, Sunday school, we were talking about adoption and what that means in, in the biblical context. And I mentioned that we were going to, uh, we were going to speak about faith uh, in the, this morning's service. The most misunderstood principle in the Word of God, I personally believe, among Christians is faith. Now go ahead and turn to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Once you're there, go ahead and read that to yourself as I read it aloud. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is difficult to please God. Right? Isn't that what your Bible says? Huh? Actually, I didn't think the NIV would say it that way either. I, you know, I, <laughs> without faith, it is impossible. It's, it's, listen, it is impossible to please God without faith. So how many of you would at least agree with me? Now look, if you don't interact, this is going to be a long service. All right. How many of you would agree with me that according to Hebrews 11.6, faith is important? All right, I'll try it again. How many of you would agree with me that according to Hebrews 11, verse 6, faith is important? Or you still don't believe me? How many of you would agree according to... Look, I, I got all day, and you can't fire me. I'm on loan. How many of you would agree that according to Hebrews 11.6, faith is important? Amen. All right. Hey, yeah, we're getting somewhere. Guys, it'll go a lot easier if I only had to say things once, but I don't mind doing it four times. Now, so I'm going to ask you, what is faith? I want you in your mind right now to think of a definition of faith, okay? You got, how many of you have a definition in your head? I'll ask this again. How many of you have a definition in your head? All right. How many of you is your definition now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many of you had that for a definition? Okay. What in the world does that mean? Uh, I, um, I don't know. Okay, we, we've got a definition. We all say faith is important, but we don't even have a clue what it is. How many of you have been saved by faith? Are you sure? We don't even know what it is. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, please. Faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. May I submit to you that faith must first start on the word of God? Period. God must speak. But that's not faith yet. Faith has to grow legs. Do you understand what I'm saying? God speaks, I believe it, and therefore I do it. That's a great working definition for faith. I haven't tr- uh, copyrighted that, that expression yet, so go ahead. You, you might make lots of money. Faith is, is based upon the word, word of God. God said it, I believe it, and I act upon it. That is faith. Don't let anybody else beguile you to try to give you a different definition of faith. Well, my auntie's sick. Well, you just got to have faith that she's okay. What does that mean? Do we have a promise on the word of God that, that she'll be healed? No. So you have faith that she's going to be healed. She's not. Then your faith is crushed. Am I right? So we, we better understand what faith is, and we better begin to rest on faith. And let me tell you something. You can rest on faith. Because it's based upon the word of God. And what God says is true. It may not make sense. It may not be comfortable. But it is always true. Can I get a hallowed glory? All right. Now, now that we had that concept, let's go back to 2 Kings. We, we had this situation where a, a, a woman's husband has died. She's in deep debt and her sons are going to be taken. In other words, they're in trouble. Anybody in here ever been in trouble before? Hey, this credit crunch has been fun, hasn't it? Woo-wee! I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I, I hear about uh, how everybody's, you know, oh, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And don't get me wrong. It's hard. But you know what I've noticed? Most people haven't been affected by it, honestly. Most people that I personally know... Now, maybe this church is different. If it is, I'm not making light of your situation, okay? I'm not. I can't do anything. Look at what's going on. Yeah, but is God taking care of you? Yeah, but look how bad. Yeah, but is God taking care of you? Then shut your mouth and worship God and be happy before he takes it away. You'll be a a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, I I want you to consider this. You you, you hear about, uh, how about uh, everybody's so fearful, but fearful is the opposite of faith. All right, I'm going to keep on going. I don't want to meddle here. But I want you to consider what, what has happened here. This family's in trouble. Why are they in trouble? Because this gentleman has died and he's left his family in serious debt. Now, consider this widow. She's utterly heartbroken. The love of her life is gone. She's now grieving over her dead husband. But on top of that, they have a lot of unpaid debts. Now, if you've ever had somebody call you saying, where's my money? It's not a fun feeling. 
But we live in a time where there's not a debtor prison, amen? What's the worst they can do? Take your stuff. That's it. You're still alive. You can still eat. They can't take the roof over your head. You, you have the right to live somewhere. Kind of neat if you really think about it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know what the worst that could happen for her? Her kids were going to be taken away. So now not only was she grieving over uh, her husband dying, she was grieving because of the, uh, of the unpaid debts, by the way, grieving as any godly person would grieve. And if, if, if you have a mountain of debts, I, I want you to know uh, that's a grievous time. And, and I, I've spoken with Christians who are in debt and they just want to get out. I, I want to help you a little bit here. I, I, uh, whenever somebody gets married at our church, I like talking with them for a few sessions beforehand. And one of the things I always talk about is money. And I said, I want you to bring to me your bank statements. <gasps> and I want you to bring me all your bills, whether they be credit card bills, phone bills, whatnot. I want all of them. Why? Because marriages fail mainly because of money, the stress that deals with it. You know what I found out? Most of the young people that I deal with, when I ask them, how much money do you have in your account? You know what they tell me? I've got about 400 left in my overdraft. What? You think that you have money? You don't have money. You have an absence of money. That's the antithesis of having money. How many of you get that concept? You don't have any money. You have negative money. And you think just because I can continue borrowing money, you now have something. You don't. You're in bondage. Please, please, please don't go in bondage. How many of you have ever been in bondage like that with debt? Yeah. I'm not going to ask who still is, okay? I'm just asking. It's, it's not fun. And, and, you know, speak to some of these people that raise their hand. Uh, you know, what was it like? It, it, it's horrible. Don't get into debt. Now, she is in a frantic, though, because this pitiless uh, bill collector is going to take her two sons and sell them into slavery. So in desperation, she calls to the prophet Elijah. Excuse me, Elisha, I messed up. And she says, thy servant, my husband, is dead. And she says, listen, you're the servant of God. You've got to have a solution. By the way, guys, when you have a problem, talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastor. Call him up. Hey, pastor, I, I'm in this. I don't want pastor to know all my problems. Listen, he's a godly man. Don't let him know I said that, though. He's a godly man. He's very wise. Talk to him. He'll show you through the word of God on on, 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 on how God could deal with it. And thank God that there, there's always a way, by the way, there's always a way that, that no matter how hard and how rough the situation is, how it looks like you're absolutely going to drown, there's always an option. I, I remember when, uh, you know, uh, I, I hate giving. Does, does that sound bad for a preacher to say that? I like my money. How many of you like your money? Yeah, be honest, you big liars, hypocrites. Yeah, I like my money. 
my money. And my stinking pastor back in Florida, you know what he started preaching about? Tithing. A big jerk. And it wasn't just tithing, it was stewardship. It was this, I, I like this idea that everything belongs to God. Okay, good. Everything belongs to God. So that means it's all his anyways, I don't have to give it. He'll just use it whenever he wants, right? But, but, but then he actually started preaching about tithing. I'm like, 10%. I'm dying as it is. 10%? What are you trying to do? Kill me? And I, I, I looked at my bills. Now, honestly, I looked at my bills, and God says, you're not paying them anyways. You're in so much debt. What you have coming in, you're robbing them and me. Why don't you do this? Since you're robbing people, just don't rob me. Just go ahead and tie to me, and, and let's see what I can do. And I want you to know, God and I had a big discussion because I wasn't sure God was very smart on this particular topic. And I debated, and I debated, and, uh, and of course, I, I got very spiritual. Lord, I can't tithe to you. I, I owe this money to debtors, right? right? That sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? So finally, God says, will you just obey? And you know what? I did. It didn't make sense. I started giving. And And God says, listen, the reason why you're in debt is because you're a thief. The reason why we're in debt is because we're a thief. We want more than what we can afford. We take more than what we should have. Yeah? It's our credit card culture. You remember... uh, uh, you know, your, your grandparents, when they wanted a, a new uh, settee and, uh, and chair, uh, I, I remember my grandparents in London, uh, they, they wanted a new chair and new sofa. They went to the store and they found the one that they wanted. And then they did the dirty four-letter word. They started to save. And then, interestingly enough, Months later, they went in there and they paid for it with this funny other four-letter word called cash. That's just what they did. But today, as soon as we get out of the gate, we want as much as as our parents and our grandparents. We got to have it all right now. That's idolatry. Idolatry brings us into captivity. Brings us into slavery. And indeed, this is what's happening. And, and this woman, she's, she's in deep, deep trouble. And she goes to the prophet of God and she says, please, please do something. Who could be more helpless? I want you to consider this. Who could be more helpless than a widow woman in Bible times? She had no trade. She couldn't teach at the local school. That was a man's job. She couldn't go be somebody's secretary. She had her children to take care of and no money to live on, and she was utterly faced with disaster. You talk about somebody being at the end of the rope, this lady was. But she may have remembered God and and, and, in Psalm chapter 50, verse 15, if you want to look there, Psalm 50, verse 15 David said this, and called upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. God says, you know what? Call upon me on the day of trouble. Go ahead. 
and I'm going to deliver you, and now you glorify me. We see that all throughout the Old Testament, don't we? You ever look at the book of Judges? We love God. God is great. God's okay. We like our idols. We love our idols. Oh, wait a minute. We're now in captivity. God, we're so sorry. God, you, you, you redeemed us. You're so great. We love God. God's great. God's okay. We like our idols. We love our idols. Oh, wait, we're in captivity again. And it goes on and on and on and on. Do you know what brings Israel to their knees? Captivity. Slavery. Israel would never have to go through that if they stayed on their knees in the first place and worshiped God. Do you know why trouble comes in our lives? To bring us back to him. Think about it in your life. When do you really go on your knees and begin to pray to God? When everything's coming down around you, right? I wonder if we got on our knees before that, maybe we could save ourselves some heartache. If we treated God as if he really was supreme before the hard times came, maybe hard times really wouldn't have to come. Ah, maybe not. Who knows? So the prophet uh, Elisha says, what shall I do for thee? What do you have in the house? That's an interesting question. She's a widow woman. She doesn't have anything. In other words, the prophet's saying, now look, God has already given you what you need. What do you have that God's given you? Do you realize that God has already given you everything that you need? We were talking about this today. If, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, to me, that simply means whatever Jesus Christ is entitled to, we, we can get it too. Now, if you have another definition for being a joint heir, come talk to me later on. But all I know is that it's pretty amazing. Your heavenly father doesn't just own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the wealth in every mine. He owns the hills themselves. And the Bible says he cares for you. So Christians, why do we live in poverty? And I'm not just talking about, you know, material. I, I, I could care less about that. I'm just talking about why do we, as we read this morning, why do we uh, live in the beggarly elements? We, we, how many of you believe that you have everlasting life? Amen. You know what that means? That means that there was a point that you were lost and now your life goes on for eternity. That's everlasting life. How many of you believe you have eternal life? Now, eternal's different. Eternal means that there's no end, but also there's no beginning. Now, you know that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Because you're not eternal. You're everlasting. How can you have eternal life? Because eternal life is not the length of your life. Eternal life is the quality of your life. You look at, at the people at the church at Philippi. They were poor. They had nothing. These people were slaves. I want you to consider what they had to do. In order to worship God, they had to finish their slave duties seven days a week. And then they had just enough time to go to sleep. But then instead of going to sleep, you know what they decided to do? Let's have church. 
Let's have church every day. Let's worship. We don't have much money, but you know what? These little elements that we have, let's give so the gospel can go out. This is the way the church at Philippi operated. And if you look at the book of Philippi, what word describes that church? What, what word do you constantly see in the, in the book of Philippians? Joy, 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 joy. Hey, we got a lot more than them, but are our lives characterized by the word joy? They should be, but are they? May I say that uh, we who are no longer uh, servants or slaves, uh, we, we have actually enslaved ourselves. We've enslaved ourselves mentally to think that we, 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 uh, we, we no longer have the king of kings as our father. Every once in a while, my son says, man, I wish that guy was my dad. Oh, I wish I belonged to that family. And he, he, he's, he's, really, he's not attacking me, at least I don't think so. I'm not going to take it that way. If I'm wrong, don't correct me, okay? But he's just thinking, wow, look at the stuff I can get. We like stuff. We like shiny stuff, right? We like stuff. Look at the stuff. We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of the universe, as our Father. We're told to go boldly before the throne. We're told that all the promises in Christ are yes. We're told in the book of uh, Isaiah that God looks at human man and says, human man, by the power of my hand, command ye me. Think about that. God says, I want you to know my promises so much that when you come to me, you say, Father, you said this, and you're going to do it. You have to. It's your word. Now look, when an earthly son goes to his father and says, Father, you said this. You have to do it. It's only because the father is not trustworthy or faithful. And dads normally don't like being reminded about what they said. How many of you fathers have ever been reminded of what you said? Chris isn't. Yeah, yeah. You said we were going to do this, and we didn't. But just think, when we remind God of his promises... It's because we know he's going to act on it. Again, this is the foundation of faith. God says it, I believe it, and I'm going to therefore act upon it. And so the prophet says, says to, to this widow woman, okay, you're in trouble. What has God already given you? Consider this. If you look in 1 Kings chapter 17, wasn't it just a, a handful of, of meal at the bottom of the barrel that was able to keep a widow woman, her son, and the prophet alive during a drought, a famine? If you think about it wasn't, it, wasn't it a boy that only had five little barley biscuits and two fish that fed 5,000? Remember when God said to Moses, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? A stick. Throw the stick down. Okay. Ah, it's a snake. Now pick it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I had a stuttering problem, but suddenly I have a hearing problem. You want me to do who? Pick it up. Could you imagine what God says? Look, I, I've already given you what you need. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want also us to consider Moses just for a second, shall we? Moses stands before Pharaoh, right? Let my people go. Actually, Aaron said that. Aaron was just quoting. But anyways, actually, Charlton Heston said that in the Ten Commandments. Let my people. Okay, so he's before Pharaoh, and he goes, <clears throat> Pharaoh, watch this. And he throws down the stick. And what does the stick become? Serpent. How cool is that? And then what do the other magicians do? They throw down their sticks, and they become snakes. Now listen, at that point, I am sure Moses, for a brief second, went, Lope. It's in the Hebrew. It's, it's very subtle. But what did God do with that? Swallowed up the other serpents. Listen, it may look humanly like we're in trouble. It may look humanly like there's no answer. It may look even humanly that the answer that God gives us still won't work. But let me tell you something. God is greater than our circumstances. We're not under circumstances. We're under grace. Did you know that? This stick that was in in Moses' hand, part of the water. It brought water out of a rock for millions. Think about Samson. Samson needed to kill a thousand Philistines. Ah, here's a jawbone. A jawbone in the hand of somebody used of God can do wonderful things. It's wonderful to come to realize that God is the master of circumstances. Do you realize that God is not in heaven fretting over what's going on in your life? Oh no, what am I ever going to do? God doesn't say that. God says, now things are hopeless. Now you only have one place to turn, and that's me. Please turn here so I can show you how great I am. God is teaching us a lesson here. How little you have doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you wholly surrender what you have to God. I'm looking out here, and we don't have a lot. But is it really surrendered to God? Can God really do whatever he wants through us and through what we have as he chooses? Be careful before you answer. God may call you on. Now the prophet says, what do you have? And the woman says, I, I, I have a little bit of oil. It says, great. Now this oil right there d- does not uh, help power vehicles. This is olive oil. It was used from uh, to help candles, cooking, um, uh, face creams. I mean, literally olive oil uh, was a very important substance. As a matter of fact, this is what made Rome really a mighty nation uh, economically because that's that's really what they sold. And so uh, the, olive oil, had, she just had a little bit. She couldn't afford a lot. She just had a little bit. And he says, you know what? That's good. Do me a favor. Go ahead and go to your neighbor's. And I want you to borrow every empty vessel they have. And I want you to go to your other neighbors. And I want you to borrow as many empty vessels as they have. And then I want you to go to those neighbors. Now, this is a community a lot different than ours. These are little tight-knit communities. Could you imagine, imagine this little widow woman going out and her son's going out to the doors? 
Excuse me, um, Mr. Johnson, can I please, <clears throat> do, you, do you have any bowls or um, vases or um, anything that's empty that I can borrow? A jar? Um, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, here you go. Oh, thank you. Hey, uh, I've been noticing that you've been going around for like the last few hours collecting. you got a house full of that stuff. What do you need all this stuff for? <laughs> now, this is where the widow woman begins to sound like an idiot. Well, um, the prophet said that I'm going to get this little bit of oil and I'm going to pour it in this big pot and it's going to get filled. Oh, the stress is getting to you, isn't it? See how she looks like an idiot? Seriously, has she ever seen this done before? No. Now, let's imagine this is faith. God says that this will work. Now she acts on it. What happens if she's wrong? Huh? Hey. Humanly speaking, she looks dumb. But if she's wrong, God was wrong. Now listen, she's resting on what God said. Not what she's thinking, not what she's feeling, but God said do this and it's going to work out. And so she's willing to look like an idiot because the prophet says this is what God wants you to do. I mean... Nobody's going to understand it. Really? Really, that small little vessel that you have is going to fill up all these containers. In verse 4 of 2 Kings chapter 4, the prophet says, And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. I mean, these, prophet, these, these neighbors are probably laughing at her, and the prophet says, you know what? We're not even going to do this miracle in front of them. This is going to ha happen behind closed doors. By the way, I want you to understand something. God answers the biggest prayers behind closed doors. Why do you think in the book of Matthew, it says, uh, uh, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Go to thy closet, shut the door, go on thy face before God. You know, the, 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 the concept here is simply this. God wants to do something for her. The testimony will go out later on, but God wants to do something through her personally. But you know what he needs? He needs empty vessels. Could you imagine if she says, well, you know, I've, I've, I've got these pots, but, you know, they're, they're really big, but they're full of this really pretty sand in there, and I use it for decoration, and uh, gosh, I don't want to get rid of that. I mean, that'd be one less pot of oil she has. If she begins to, to hang on, on to things, now, uh, imagine this. Imagine as soon as the oil begins to be poured, 
Now, we see the end of the story. We think it's great. She doesn't know the end of the story. She sees that slow being poured, and she's like, what's going to happen? And it's still coming out. <sighs> kind of neat. You know, at first, she's, she's doing it scared, and now, wow, this is Quick, hand me another one. Let's see this again. Pours it in there. Wow, this is great. And, and, and now, you know, they're, they're just grabbing him and pouring it, and, and now it's a great time. But you know what eventually happens? Give me another one. There's not another one. Find another one. Find something with a little on it, you know, so we can pour it in it. Right? Find a bowl, a spoon or something, you know, and, and we're just finding it. And I wonder, now we don't see this here in Scripture, but I wonder, I, I wonder if they said, oh, we could have gone to them You know, we, that neighbor down the road, you know, they, they, oh, we, we could have. But once their faith stopped, and this is not in a negative way, but this is just realistic. Once their faith stopped, once, once they got all their vessels, once those vessels were full, guess what? The miracle stopped. How big is your faith? How big is your trust in God? Because where your faith stops, God stops. The Bible says in in the book of James, let no man ask God uh, um, anything wavering. And then the next verse says, let him not think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. Did you know that? God wants a people of faith. God wants a people who are willing to say, God, I'm yours. You can do whatever you want through me, and whatever you ask me to do, I will do. Because I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Believers, is that the type of life you're living? Or is that the type of life you're fearing? Or is that the type of life you want to live? What's keeping you back? What's stopping you from saying, God, I don't care what it, what goes on around me. I don't care what other Christians do. I don't care what other non-Christians do. I don't care what family thinks. I don't care what non-family thinks. I care what you think. I was speaking to, to a young lady. And she, she was talking to me. She, she says, how do I, uh, how do I go about talking to my mom about baptism. This girl's 18 years old. I said, uh, well, I mean, you, 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 how long have you been saved? Oh, about eight years now. I said, have you never been baptized? No. She says, I, the real thing is, is that I'm so afraid of talking to my mom, I don't want to hurt my relationship with her. Now listen to what, I understand what she's saying, but listen to what I said. I said, do you not care about hurting your relationship with your God? Christians, let's face it, most of us go around treating God like a grandfather. Ah, it'll upset him, but he'll get over it. God's a tough guy. He can take it. I I just don't want to hurt these people's feelings. Listen, if he really is who he says he is, if he really is... uh, the, the judge, if he really is our creator, if he really is the one who died for us, shouldn't that mean something? Shouldn't that stir something in us? 
where, where we're acting different, where, where our feet are doing different things. Church, we need to be a people of faith. Not fearful, not worried. The, the, in here in 2 Kings, uh, this, this miracle is done behind closed doors. And then the prophet says, sell what you have, pay off your debts, and live off the rest. Let me just kind of close with this thought. When you live a life of faith, you pay off your debt. What debt? Paul says in the book of Romans, I'm debtor. To the Jews and to the Greeks, to the wise and to the unwise, I'm a debtor. What is he in debt to? He's in debt of showing them who God is. Church, those, everybody around us, they hear God all the time. Blah, 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 blah. But they never see it. What would actually happen if we began to fulfill our debt? What would actually happen if we were people who walked by faith and people saw that we walked by faith? Gandhi was asked uh, about Christianity, and, and Gandhi says, you know, that he looked at Christianity, and, and he even felt that it was true, but he would not become a Christian because of all the other Christians that he had met. What stops people from knowing Christ is our doctrine in action. We're a people who sing, I surrender all. But we really should sing, I surrender some. I know it's not as pretty to sing, but that's the reality of it. What are we holding back and why? That's the next concept I want you to think. Why do we hold back? And this all boils back down to faith. Because if we really believe God at his word... We'll act upon it. Do you know why we don't? We just don't believe his word is true. Oh, we'll never say that because we're good Baptists, amen? But in reality, we think it's better to not serve God than to serve him. We think it's better to not tell people about Christ because that will really upset them than to give them an opportunity to be set free. If we're not a people of faith, we're worthless. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Church, we need to be a people of the book again. That doesn't mean I just read the book or I know where things are. It means that we need to be a people who live our lives according to this book. And then watch what happens. Watch what God is able to do with empty vessels who simply say, God, just fill me. Fill me, and I'll, I'll, I'll pour out into another vessel. Just, just fill me. Just use me, please. See, the, the debt that the widow had was paid off through her faith. But then she was able to live off of that faith. Does that make sense? 
Let me give you one last story, and, and I'll close. You, you may have heard this before, but uh, this, this is an actual story that, that, that really happened. We are, my family and I, we are, uh, we are on deputation preparing to come to England. We had just started out. That, and what deputation is is where um, we're, we're, we're church planners, and so we go to different churches, give them our vision, and uh, some churches say, you know what, we're really, that, that's really interesting to us. Uh, we deputize you. We, we send you out in our name too. You know, you're an arm of our church now, and we're going to help support you. And we felt God was calling us to come to England, and so we decided, you know, during our time of deputation, we would not do anything by credit card. If God had called us, God would just have to take care of us. We, we were just silly like that. And so while we were out, we got to a point where we found a, a, a missions cottage, a, a house that, that was allowed for missionaries uh, to stay in. Um, but we had no money in the bank. We had one night's worth of food left. And it was a Wednesday night. We were ready to go to this church meeting on Wednesday night. I went out to the car to start loading the car up to travel. Pardon me, to travel. And this is about two hours away. And uh, the, the tire, the radial, the wires were sticking out. That's not a good thing. I thought, mercy, we have one night's worth of food uh, left. And this is in the morning. So, you know, we, we didn't eat that morning. I, I know it doesn't look like I've missed many meals, but, but trust me, I have. And, uh, and I looked at the tire and went, oh, man, we're in trouble. And, and, and so literally I said, Lord, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> and then I, I reached in my wallet, and I had an uncashed check in my wallet uh, for $75. I thought, well, goodness, that will that'll take care of that tire, and that, that'll feed us. That's fantastic. So we actually drove out of the way to go to this bank because it, it's, it's a, a bank of a little town and it only has one branch. So we had to go to that specific branch. Now, this was July 3rd, Wednesday, July 3rd. We got there at about 2.30. The bank closed at 2. Those dirty birdies. And so I thought, okay, God, what are you going to do now? Now, honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm ready. All right, God, what are you going to do? This, I can, it's fine. What are you going to do? And then I knew it. I knew what was going to happen. We were going to drive to this church, and the pastor was going to ask me if I had any needs. Okay, now listen, I, I don't, t- whoa, it's me. I need this, I need this. But I feel that if, if somebody asks me if I have any needs, I, I believe that, you know, that's God dealing with them, God inspiring them to, to speak to me about it. Okay, so I, Sure enough, I get to that church. The pastor puts his arm around me and says, Brother, it's great to have you. Do you guys have any needs? Oh, yes, sir, I do. And so I explained to him, you know, my family, we haven't eaten all day. Uh, I have a tire that's about to blow. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's our needs. And he, Brother, God bless you. Let's come on in and let's have a good church meeting. And we had a good church meeting. And at the end of the service, you know, uh, we're kind of packing up our stuff and, 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 and we're just hanging out the back of the church, you know, to hear, to talk to the pastor again, you know, at the end, you know, ready for him, you know, this is going to be good, right? And, and, uh, 
And so we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. So finally, the pastor sees him in the back and he comes on and says, hey, guys, thanks for coming. God bless you. And if you're ever back in town, you know, come see me. Let's go get a cup of coffee. That's it. I'm like, huh. That didn't work out as I thought it would work out either. Now, guys, we loaded up the vehicle and we began to drive home. My son, Damien Jr., he's crying because he's hungry. My daughter, she's not crying. She's getting what's going on, and she's just learning to deal with it. My wife is crying because her kids are hungry. I'm honestly, I'm I'm driving, I'm looking out the window saying, God, hello, we're here. Do you know we're here? We're right here. And and, and, and again, I... I knew God was going to provide because he was the only one that could. So I said, God, what are you going to do? And then I remembered something. The little missions place that we stayed at, there was a family at that church who had invited us the next day to their July 4th picnic. I said, okay, God, I get it. I get it. Okay, we're just going a little bit hungry, but when we go home, we'll eat. You're going to let this tire not blow not explode. Okay, that's fine. Tomorrow you'll feed us. And then Friday, we'll sort it out. Okay, God, no problem. I can handle this. Drive by, get to the missions apartment. And I promise you this really happened. There's a note on the door. Dear Brother Pickett, so sorry. We have to cancel tomorrow. We have a family emergency. (sighs) What? Really? So we go home, go, go to this house. We our last meal, by the way, was a taco dinner, an El Paso taco dinner. And we had tacos that night. And, uh, and uh, my wife and I are praying, and, and my, my wife's weeping because we're just, the next day, we're out of food, and that's it. And there was only one man that knew our needs, and <laughs> you know how that worked out. And so I pray with my wife, and, uh, and literally we pray weeping. Next morning, my wife wakes up. She's still weeping. I pray for her. I, by the way, I, I figure we're just going to go a day without food. People do that all over the world. It'll, I, I can take it, okay? While I'm praying with my wife, my mobile phone rings. And the last thing I want is a, some more bad information, so I'm not going to answer the phone, okay? So I'm just still praying with my wife, and... The phone is still ringing. I don't know why the little voicemail thing didn't pick up. It just didn't. My wife says, you need to answer that. I said, no, I don't. She says, well, it would be rude not to. I said, I'm not in the mood to be polite. And so she just looked at me. She says, please pick it up. So I picked it up. I said, hello, this is missionary Damien Pickett. Can I help you? And the voice on the other end was was my old youth pastor who I hadn't seen or heard from for 13 years. He said, Damien Pickett, how are you? I said, we're okay. He says, you know, I have been trying to find your number because God has woken me up this morning and told me I need to find you and send you some money. (laughs) Start crying. We had nothing. <coughs> we had Western Union to us over three hundred dollars. 
Guys, I don't know if you've ever had nothing than had that much money and then go shopping. It's fun. Man, you know, we're not, we're not finding Tesco value. We're getting, you know, like the spaghetti hoops with like the sausages. I mean, we're, we're, we're going prime on this. All right. We're getting ice cream. We're getting, it was July 4th. We even bought fireworks that day. Now listen, this is a lesson I learned. I was doing what God had asked me to do, and it looked dismal. There was only one human element besides my family that knew what was going on, and that one didn't answer. There was only one other element that knew, and that was my heavenly father. And my heavenly father that day showed me that without me having to do anything, he could take care of my needs. Now, guess what happened the next time I was in trouble? Lord, what you going to do? And I want you to know, it's exciting. It's a little scary at times, but it's exciting. But you can live off of your faith. You know what faith produces? Faith produces more faith. Then it gets fun. Let's see how much we can trust God. Man, woo, this is a rough month. Well, let's hurry up and tithe so God can bless us. Church, without faith, it is impossible to please God. How are we walking? Father, I think some of us honestly feel kind of ashamed that we haven't been a people of faith. We talk about faith. We may want to be a people of faith. But God, in all reality, we're not walking in faith. In all reality, we're a people of fear who try so desperately to make things work, forgetting that we have a heavenly Father who says for us to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. We have a heavenly Father that gave his own son for us. What would he withhold from us? Nothing. You adopted us. Your word says that you've made us kings and priests. You call us holy ones. You've forgiven us of our sins. Father, you are so worthy of so much more than what we give. Father, could we be a people that walk worthy of your name? Could you begin to move in our hearts that we would be a people of faith who would dig in your word and find the promises of God and stand on them? And no matter how hard the wind blows, we would not move. We would see you move. We would see you provide. We would see you change things. We would see you change hearts. And then, Father, our faith would have substance because we see you move.
because we believed and trusted in you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to trust you. And we ask these things in Christ's name, amen.